Hello and welcome to episode number 263 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How is it going? We're here man. We're we're finally here. We are. This is a very long awaited show, isn't it? Like we keep knocking these down this year. This has been this such is it. a This is it. This is it. This is what yeah. I said to you. This is the pause button now. Mm. I feel like we've finally hit resume. I know there are subsequent delays but but the things mm. that were super close when when lockdown hit you know now we have Candyman under our belt like it's it, i feel like i can safely say we have now unpaused the podcast oh yeah for sure like like you say there's still a couple that we would have seen last year um obviously halloween kills and antlers which are both coming out in october but other than those i i can't think of anything else that we were guaranteed to see last year um so it's been brilliant been oh yeah that one um but yeah like we are finally catching up we're seeing all these big cinema horrors it's been pretty busy the last few weeks just because we're like i i know i keep saying it but it's just so nice to have all of these big films uh you know netflix have been pretty great this year as well i would say better this year than they were last year um so you know shudder as well have been great and we've got a lot of stuff coming to shudder around halloween like they always do so yeah very very busy to end off the year which is very nice indeed um but of course before we get to the new candy man um a little bit of news this week really not too much pretty quiet news week to be honest with you um this first one uh is a 4k announcement um but before we get too excited, this is just for overseas <laughs> uh, listeners. Because so basically, Scream Factory, as we kind of mention a lot, in my experience covering the news, are the best when it comes mm-hmm. to Blu-ray releases that don't do any sort of offering in the UK. Um, because, yeah. like, say a lot of the other companies, we, we know Let like Arrow. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of companies that seem. I mean, like, cause Second Sight, are they? I mean, obviously for UK, we know, like, we get basically all all of the other boutique Blu-ray labels. Um, hmm. But sadly, we don't get Scream Factory, and of course, they've had so much. I mean, the last few years alone, the even, Friday the Thirteenth collection. Um, oh yeah, that was incredible. But even stuff like Raven Banner, mm. are predominantly US, but they yeah, do at least ship point. to us. Yeah um whereas whereas scream factory are always the ones where i just drool over and, and never get yeah they're one of the last ones that are still region locked and it's it is frustrating like i say that you brought up a perfect example of like psycho gorman we were able to just ship that to us and now we have the best version available ever mm. of that movie which is lovely um yeah. and we had yeah. to pay a premium on top mm. of a premium for that but i'm okay with that like i would have done that for that that friday the 13th box set Definitely. There's been a lot like the 13 Ghosts one. There's been multiple ones that Scream Factory have done over the last couple of years. That I would have definitely paid a premium for. Um, and like I say, you can, you know, you can get the multi-region stuff. But like I have a pretty clean setup when it comes to watching movies. Um, you know, I have a PlayStation 5 and I don't want to lumber around with another multi-region player just to watch the occasional few movies. But same. anyway, as soon as I got my PS5, I just ditched blu-ray player and anything separate to that because there's just no need no for sure um but yeah the actual news is um so a new 4k transfer of krampus is coming um which is awesome in itself because krampus is an amazing movie um but it's actually a new cut of the movie so it's called the naughty cut um and yeah this is 4k arriving on november 16th and it says um for the first time ever michael doherty's previously unseen naughty cut of the film will be seen in the light of day uh, this alternate version restores key dialogue 
dialogue and scenes that had to be trimmed from the original theatrical release to appease the MPAA. Um, that's all we have right now, so no specifics on how much longer, etc., etc. Um, but it's cool to see a different version of the movie. You know, this mm. isn't one of these lost forgotten gems you know the theatrical version of krampus is incredible um so i'm sure it's a very small alterations you know a bit more bloody and a bit more you know language wise i didn't hear about this though like mm. i didn't hear about this release but i heard about like the censorship of that movie mm. and and the um when it came out and the obviously the way it was kind of branded and the way it's quite, you know, it's quite whimsical and obviously yeah. on to Christmas and everything else. And then it does go there. And from, from memory, I haven't watched this movie in a while, but it gets quite violent with the children and that sort of stuff as mm. well. And so I kind of feel like that might be where they, they, they tamed it back even more for that on screen. But um, yeah, definitely, you know, Krampus is a movie. Yeah, I've not, I don't watch it every year at Christmas and I definitely need to give it a watch. Yeah, I watched it a couple of years ago and, and absolutely loved it again. Like I say, I have such fondness for it because it was one of it might be the last great horror movie before we started the show, um, mm. because it came out in December 2015. And obviously we started the following March. So there was mm. only a small window. And obviously I remember we, we went to the cinema to see it. We absolutely loved it. Um, and so, yeah, I'll always have a fondness for Krampus. Like I say, even though it's not in the history of super horror bros but it's such a great horror film um and yeah if you've not checked out already highly 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 recommended and yeah this is the perfect way to see it um so yeah another great release from scream factory there mm-hmm. um and then just a couple uh, of other smaller news stories so again i put this in here because it is newsworthy but i'm so sick of talking about this goddamn film um they, they're making another texas chainsaw massacre it was featured it in the news God knows if it's going to be any good. Everything about it bums me out. Um, but... I saw someone tweet like uh, the film timeline now of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow, oh, Jesus! And and it's it's absolutely beautiful because it's obviously like it's like original, then like direct sequel slash comedy reboot, then like a, <laughs> then like a complete reboot, reimagining remake prequel to remake. Sequel mm. to just the original, then then like and then like sequel to just a the prequel, original, then prequel, prequel to the original as well, just yep. the original, and then another sequel to just the original or something like that. And I just thought, oh man, it's it's so beautiful. <laughs> like, if you if you wanted the blueprint of how to completely and royally fuck up a horror franchise, you just look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> um, because it's, it's yeah, incredible it's... that Leatherface is still considered an icon. I think that's the big mm. takeaway I I have from it. Like that that original <laughs> movie and poster alone has has kept that franchise going Mm. yeah and i still love the original i definitely don't love it as much and i don't know if it it is a difficult movie to go back to anyway because of how like rough around the edges it is but i also wonder if just the fucking amount of dreadful sequels has just like beaten me down over the years but regardless um, i've got got a love for the original still like i Mm. i can always enjoy that and i and i like the sequel as well you know that's just absolutely crazy and see bill mosley in it and stuff like i I like both those movies still so so this upcoming installment which yeah is just being called the texas chainsaw massacre at the minute um is kind of 
the thing that always gets attached to it is Fede Alvarez produced. It's it's one of those movies where no one in any sort of creative capacity, you know, in writing or directing seems to have any chops. Um, so let's just throw a, a name to produce it on there who's probably not really much to do with it. But anyway, the reason why it's in the news is because Netflix have picked it up mm. <laughs> of all places. So, yeah, coming via The Hollywood Reporter, yeah, Netflix have, re- have acquired rights to this. What's interesting as well is like, We've been covering this in the news for a while, and I get that COVID changes everything because you start seeing these same movies get moved around a lot more than they usually do, even though horror movies get moved around a lot in a normal world. Um, But this was always scheduled for 2021 um, when they were talking about it last year, pre-COVID and all that stuff. And then then it's like we're getting through the year now, and there's a lot of movies still to come. So I do wonder, like, if I was Netflix, I would just sit on this for a little bit because the, the, like we keep saying, the October over Halloween season is so busy right now. But of course, having said that, you know, if Netflix don't have anything ready for Halloween that's that big and they want to go against Halloween Kills and Last Night in Soho and all these movies in the cinema, then they might just sneak this out on Halloween. Who knows? Um, So we don't have a release date right now. We just know that Netflix have got it. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Who knows? I think Halloween makes sense for Netflix if they haven't got much else out there because... It's a household name, Leatherface, mm. and and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So the movie can suck and probably will, but it will get a lot of views, and especially around Halloween. Like you imagine the general public logging mm. into Netflix and being like, "Oh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, twenty twenty one, cool." Like I haven't seen nine of these at this point that suck, so, <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna. Yeah, I think you're right. This 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 makes a lot more sense being on Netflix than it ever did as a cinema release. Um, yeah. And yeah, the last bit of news, speaking of movies that also don't really deserve theatrical releases at this point, um, there's another installment, of course, in the Paranormal Activity franchise. This has been all over the place when we've covered it in the news from kind of rewrites to is it happening to oh it's secretly been filmed and might be out tomorrow it's been moved (laughs) around so much um we know that it's coming to paramount plus um i still don't know if that's available in the uk or not at this point um but that's what we know and we do know in fact um courtesy of deadline is that that is coming out for this halloween so this movie is also coming out this year that we've barely know anything about um we know that kind of christopher landon who has overseen like the entire franchise um did return to write it um and then william eubank who last directed underwater is directing the movie um so it's got a couple of you know you know names attached that people have seen within the horror genre quite a lot recently um and yeah this is coming out this halloween which again is just it shocks me because there's so much coming out um but I guess there's a lot of streaming services these days and they've all got to have their own little Halloween treat, haven't they? So, Have we um, been lucky I, enough to uh, cover one of these for the show? That's what I was just thinking. What, Paranormal Activity? No, mm. no. No, lucky um, us. Yeah, because like what? Yeah, I think 2015 around that time probably yeah, was the last installment. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, any, any interest in this one? No, none, none for me. No, me neither. Like, uh, maybe we'll cover it at some point because it is a big franchise. Um, and I did really like the original, but this just seems like a very weird choice uh, that's coming it's out of nowhere. Because the first two or three movies were all kind of great, you know, and, and slowly kind of went went lower and lower. But I just feel like it's not a big franchise anymore, like with mm. what's happened to it. And it'll be interesting to see how this one returns. 
Yeah, for sure. Like, for what level will it be theatrical or not? Uh, yeah, well, they've said it's Paramount Plus, so it's yeah, yeah not theatrical. But um, no, but yeah. I don't know what that means for, like you say, for us. Yeah, true. Yeah, because it is weird. Like, with, there's so much. Obviously, with like Evil Dead Rise is apparently a. Is that HBO Max? I can't even remember now. There's so many, or is it? No, it's is it Hulu? I can't remember. There, there's no. so many now of these of these uh, streaming services that like are getting these horror IPs exclusively. And yeah, I always wonder what it means for us in our small little market of like, of like, do, do they remember that, you know, that that we're over here or do we just have to find other means that that we have to do sometimes? Um, But uh, yeah, that was it for the news this week. Shall we talk about this week's film? Let's do it. Let's talk about Candyman. So yeah, the new Candyman is finally here. We've finally seen it. It's an interesting one to even talk about in terms of what this is, because we, we've talked about it time and time again, and especially the title is annoying. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to continue to be consistent. Like, don't have, don't call it the exact same title of the original. Um, there are so many easy ways. Just call it the Candyman. Like, it makes it so much easier to talk about. Um, and as we get into the to the film, um, and as we've discussed in the news and stuff, this is a direct sequel to Candyman. Um, this yeah. isn't a remake. This isn't a reimagining or anything like that. Um, or going back to the original source material, which was, of course, The Forbidden by Clive Barker. This is a straight up sequel um, to a movie with the exact same name. <laughs> I think and... I think that's the bit that blows my mind is that going into this, I wasn't sure whether that's what it was going to be. No, like, I don't know about you, but like when I saw this, I didn't know that that's what it was going to be when opening credits rolled. And then mm. obviously uh, it, in the past couple of days, they've heavily kind of been saying how it's a sequel and everything else. And the fact that IMDb even says it. But um, I, I wasn't prepared for that going in. And well, it happened that I was because I just recently watched Candyman this week. In fact, the original. Mm. Um, but but yeah, the fact that it's called the same thing is is a real weird thing in in you know the fact that there are a million texture chainsaw massacres it doesn't matter when they're not direct sequels and stuff but when do you know i mean when this is a direct sequel i just think yeah you're not going to call it Candyman 2 but just Candyman colon you know whatever the forbidden Mm. i don't care like just something to differentiate it to show that it's different and not a remake um just that just but, add the it's not difficult like uh, the Candyman would be a great name because i get it because because obviously a lot of people that are going to go to the cinema and see this will not have sat down and watched <laughs> the 1992 movie mm. um you know th- there are there are a few uh sequels that have had a longer gap than than Candyman. Yeah. um so so i can see why they've didn't want to brand it as such but then when they kind of have anyway it's 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 yeah it's interesting Mm. but um yeah i guess kind of obviously uh i I assume most people listening to this podcast know the the rough idea of Candyman, but i'll I'll go into it anyway (laughs) that basically um in this movie we're we're kind of 
we we get introduced to um uh our lead character anthony who is this kind of aspiring uh artist and him and his kind of girlfriend who who is like a creator of an art gallery yeah and kind of um uh he's kind of struggling to find his inspiration and um he basically stumbles across the Candyman legend, uh, whereby if you say his name five times in a mirror, Candyman appears and kills you. And he kind of becomes a bit um, obsessed by it and kind of um, uh, delves into it and kind of puts his puts his next art projects into the Candyman kind of mythology. And in doing so, has kind of it, it sparks a new generation of people to remember the Candyman legacy and then kind of Candyman kind of seemingly coming back because of this spark that, that his artwork has kind of caused. Um, and um, yeah, I think kind of that, that is pretty much the, you know, where this movie goes. I think it's quite simple really. And it's kind of um, bare bones kind of uh premise i think i think you can you can obviously scratch and get a hell of a lot deeper but i think i think for initial setup that's that's pretty much where we're at yeah did, did you mention cabrini green at all there not not really i mean it's a direct sequel to um to the original Candyman movie and so what what kind of anthony's character does discover is basically helen's story from mm. the first Candyman, and he kind of visits Cabrini Green and kind of realizes that uh, the uh, houses that, that you know Cabrini Green was pretty much flattened apart from one kind of part, and the rest of it has kind of been built all around. And yeah, he kind of visits that area, and it's very much kind of it. It it seemed a bit weird in the movie because it seemed like it was cordoned off for people not to live there. Yeah, then people were living there, so I don't know whether they're just kind of like penned in and or whether they're mm. kind of living there and shouldn't be i kind of feel like they're, they're meant to be but the police are just like you don't come out we don't go in sort of thing yeah that was confusing to me also of like i assumed you know that like you say the more and more people are getting out and eventually it will be renovated but clearly there are a few people in there but it was unclear if it was are you are you are you allowed to be there? Is this a squatting type situation? Yeah. Um, have they offered you to move and you're just being stubborn? Well, like you say, in laundromat. Like it's not that much <laughs> yeah. a situation. I mean, it's not definitely, great, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and like you say, and also the the thing I guess that I misread from the original movie, or or they're changing it, or I don't know. But I want to get your take on it. I always thought Cabrini Green was one specific like tower block of flats. Mm. Um, but it, it it seems like having now watched these movies, yeah, it's basically like an area, you know, like a small town. Yeah, I kind of, if you'd have asked me, like after watching the first Candyman, I would have said, oh yeah, it's a tower block. But mm. as soon as this movie started, I was like, oh no, it kind of makes sense because obviously, like in the first movie, Helen's attacked in the toilets that aren't in the tower block. Yeah, kind of like that surrounding area. And Cabrini Green, you know, the kind of name kind of seems like it is an area as well. And, and you know, the more I thought about it and as this movie kind of started, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense that it is an area. I just hadn't because the movie is so kind of the, the original is so focused on the tower block. It's kind of like that's where my focus is for Cabrini Green. Um, yeah, I was just looking it up and it's yeah, it's a public housing project. They describe it as on the north side mm -hmm. of Chicago. So, yeah, kind of the equivalent in the UK would be like we have estates is what we yeah. call them. So it'd be like one of those essentially. 
Mm. Um, yeah, but apparently it was a home to around 15,000 people at its peak. This fictional place called Cabrini Green. Um, I don't know if it's fictional. <laughs> or is it a real place? I think it's real. I was going to say, is it a real place or is it fictional? I mean, it's got a it's got a Wikipedia page, oh, okay. Cabrini oh, Green oh, Homes, and there's like oh, black and white cool. photos and stuff. So, is yeah, I didn't know that either. Stuff associated with it. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, that's the thing. And like, it it also seems like a lot of it has been demolished. Like, yeah, I really want to learn more about the real place now. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I was I didn't know any of this. Um, I'm just a fan of the the movies. <laughs> yeah, it's quite um, funny that they kind of focused on a specific area of Chicago and kind mm. of branded it the Candyman area. Yeah. Like I, I would have again, like if you'd have asked me, I would have just assumed Cabrini Green was a made up place. I didn't mm. think they'd be so specific as to kind of use a real life place. But I guess again that um, you know the first movie was very kind of focused on the the kind of um race war and everything else that that was going on in the 90s and kind mm. of you know is still going on today and and obviously this movie kind of mirrors that and and so i guess kind of it being based on a real place in chicago does kind of make sense yeah um you know there was there was a deep message in the first Candyman movie and hence why when this movie was picked up and kind of we knew that jordan was heavily attached um it, it made perfect sense for Candyman to be an ip that he gets behind yeah definitely um but yeah i mean do you want to go into your thoughts on this one yeah um i i really really enjoyed this movie um i think there are definitely a couple of things that didn't land um which i think when i'm being really critical we'll we'll get into obviously as part of the review um but for the most part i found this to be a thoroughly entertaining sequel um i think it's a really good movie but i think it's an amazing sequel um i also had watched the original um i've talked about it a little bit last week but i guess we should go into it more now that we're actually talking about Candyman. of i adore that original movie um and i think Candyman has always intrigued me because of when it came out and coming out in the early 90s right at the tail end of the slasher craze and the rise of the horror icon it was always fascinating to me that kind of Candyman got shoved into that bracket and it's it's Candyman, it's pinhead it's freddy it's jason it's leatherface because he is an urban legend um and he's not a slasher he's not just this one guy who's killing people for whatever reason um and that was always what drew me into the original and then yeah there's two sequels which like you know they may as well have not even bothered um and then bringing it back to this movie is yeah that's what i loved about this movie was that it kind of it nailed the urban legend part of the story for me um and it uses the original very well um in really interesting ways but expands upon it and and gives me even more mythology that wasn't there in the original movie and it's 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 really funny to me having just watched i talked last week about blade runner and its sequel um and i was talking it up saying how i thought they did such a good job of seamlessly adding these two movies that were so far apart and like this is different because you know i didn't know anything about the two blade runner movies watching them whereas this is very much i've loved Candyman, and so i'm invested in it and i thought 
they did such a good job of making it feel like a continuous story between the two films um and i do think it plays so well as a double ensemble where i don't know what people would get out of this as just a standalone movie um because almost everything that i love about it is because it's a sequel to the original um so i yeah i thoroughly enjoyed it for all those reasons i thought the direction was incredible um again outside of this being a sequel that was probably my next thing that i loved the most and that was the thing i was worried about actually mm-hmm. because as we discussed kind of you know near da costa i only directed one movie i've not seen it it's not a horror film um and so all i knew was that kind of jordan picked her um and that was it and i think movies like this that are so well directed really it's that thing and maybe it's just watching a bunch of behind the scenes stuff but you know when you watch certain films and in particular horror films and the shots are so particular where you're like oh i can tell that this was storyboarded over and over again to kind of perfectly craft all these different frames and angles and that's what i got from so many different scenes in this movie i think the the art gallery scene um which you'll know what you what i'm talking about if you've seen the movie um that scene in particular and kind of how everything's staged and framed i just think is wonderful um this entire movie's use of mirrors and reflections is incredible um I, i've seen the movie twice already and on second viewing that was what i was really trying to pick up on was these kind of small little things in the background and there was at least two instances of things that i caught on my second watch that was like i was like oh that's so cool and i didn't see that before um and it really reminds me of the invisible man i think that was one thing that lee winnell absolutely nailed in that movie um was his framing and how he could like he could tell a story about the characters just on camera shots and framing alone um and that's exactly what happened in this movie as well um so that was another thing that i loved i think getting to my first criticism um which is kind of like a backhanded criticism because of how much I enjoyed the movie. I did think it was too short. Um, I like to me, this movie kind of flew past and I wanted a bit of time to um, really take in a few of the scenes because this is like a brisk 85 minutes. Mm. Um, And especially the finale that there's a scene that kind of leads into the finale, a sit down conversation between two characters, which I very much enjoyed. But then that immediately kicks onto the finale. And then we're just full steam ahead, go, go, go for the rest of the movie. And I really wanted like at least another 20 minutes in there to really build to the finale. Cause I feel like it would have felt a lot more earned and more epic. Um, especially with the journey that Anthony's going on. I feel like it would have been better if that was more drawn out for his character. Um, cause I feel like it's kind of rushed. Um, but again, that's just because of how much I liked the movie, obviously. Um, definitely the thing I thought was the worst about the movie was that there was at least a couple of instances of like really cringy dialogue in the movie. Um, mostly from the character Troy, who is, uh, Brianna, um, Brianna's brother. Um, oh, yeah he so on on first watch he i was like oh, okay he's kind of like the comic relief character who's a bit zany um and i was like okay it's fine the second time watching it every kind of line that he says in the movie is just really cringy social messaging that's kind of forced into the movie that really doesn't feel natural like the rest of the movie does to me um because there is social messaging throughout the entire movie and the way it's portrayed with all the other characters i really liked but this one character felt 
off to me like it's interesting when you get a movie that's written by three people because it's hard to tell you know which part was contributed by which writer but this felt like someone really had a bee in their bonnet about certain issues that they really wanted to crowbar into this movie and they couldn't find a way to do it in a natural way like how the other stuff is in there so they were like oh let's just put this character in here and he's just gonna shout a bunch of shit um and that's gonna be our way of getting it into the movie and yeah i I found his character not great on my first watch because he doesn't really add anything to the movie, especially in terms of moving the story on. On second watch, I found him intolerable. Um, and just everything out of it where I was like, this is almost borderline racist, what he's saying. And it's yeah. funny to me that he's the one character who does have a white partner. I was going to say, he's um, the one that's in an interracial relationship. Which yeah, is, yeah, and I think that's incredibly on purpose um, mm. because I do think at one point they call themselves with this dialogue and they were like oh this is a bit kind of over the top really for no reason they were like oh let's just make his partner white it's kind of like the perfect get out of jail free card so yeah <laughs> that is something that i didn't like in a movie that i very much did enjoy um and then towards the end of the movie there is some stuff with police which gets incredibly close to the line for me um in terms of crossing it but it didn't luckily for me um it got really really close and then thankfully the movie moved on quickly and then got to a really satisfying conclusion for me um i love the fan service throughout the entire movie i think mm. if you are a fan of the original there's plenty of stuff in here to kind of dig your teeth into from like small little easter eggs to like very much overt his things you love from the original which i popped for um yeah for the most part like you say a few a few small things that irked me but overall really liked it as a movie and i loved it as a sequel to the original movie yeah this is this is such a strange movie to now get to because the hype was so high yeah. and i think i think like part of it like coming coming out of the movie i felt a little bit victim to the hype mm. and now i've kind of sat back a little bit more i'm like i, I kind of I think a couple of weeks ago I said that, I, you know, not knowing that this was a sequel and, and just saying that, like, I just am really looking forward to this being a batshit crazy kind of Candyman reimagining. And then kind of that's what I was going in expecting. And, and it's not that. And I think mm. kind of um, uh, the, the biggest thing is, is that I love the original Candyman movie. And, and like what you said, this is a great sequel to that. I think... Um, and and so ultimately, I really enjoyed this movie because I love the original. I think a lot of people that I think you can enjoy this movie if you haven't seen the original, you just won't enjoy it as much, mm. you know, because because they go a lot into the mythology. They blend in Helen's story. Helen's small story is a very small part of the Candyman world in this, you know, and so you can kind of um, get stuff from it i know obviously as we go later on it goes gets more and more but but i don't think you'd i don't think you'd lose a, an incredible amount it's just how much you gain from that knowledge and especially if you have a love of the original like some of the some of the final act stuff i really popped for um and i think kind of that that's where for me i got i got hell of a lot of my enjoyment from just being like oh man i can't believe this is a sequel and like once i realigned myself and also i think the movie does start slow mm -hmm. i think it has i think it has a poor opening actually yeah um, i agree uh uh where i was really expecting a, a pretty hardcore 
opening, you know, kind of, it's such an easy win to kind of say Candyman in front of a mirror and just kill off your opening characters. It's the opening of a screen movie. Yeah, yeah and, when and, we watched the trailer, I I would have hmm, bet money that that bathroom scene, scene yeah, yeah, yeah was the opening of the movie. <laughs> same, <laughs> because same. the where it is in the movie and it's so disconnected with the rest of the story. It's like Massive why didn't you why didn't you just open with this? <laughs> yeah, and uh, and and I feel like that, that I was really confused by that bathroom scene because I thought they were going to like open it up at that point and be like, mm. oh shit, like Candyman's popping off everywhere, and they they didn't really um and so yeah that scene felt massively out of place i understand with the storytelling that it would have felt weird kind of having a candy man pop you know at the start and kind of moment but you 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 know the the scene we got kind of was really subdued and, and it does come back into play later and does mean a little bit more but the actual opening scene itself when watching it for the first time is just very boring and so, like, I found myself, like, my expectations really dropping because of that scene. But then, but then, like, I don't want to sound negative because then it really did pick up and I had a really good time. And, um, yeah, re- really enjoyed this movie. I think, I think what you were saying about the direction and the way this movie looks, I think this has such a distinct feel to kind of, like, this is what 2021 Candyman feels like now. Like, I could watch, like, a few stills from this movie without characters in and be like oh yeah that's from, mm. that's from Candyman like it just felt very unique and I, and I don't know whether that's just because kind of Naya da Costa I haven't seen any of her stuff before maybe you know that is her her touch on it but it but it felt very unique and and really nice and like you say the use of mirrors in this movie um I think you know when, when you think of the original they don't they don't overly use mirrors that much do they there's there's kind of a couple of moments but obviously like in the original helen summons Candyman pretty early on and then he's just kind of like a growing presence throughout the movie whereas this one you know has a really clever use of, of the mirror and kind of um uh obviously as we go on like anthony's journey and kind of that that fucking bee sting on his hand which is <laughs> oh, more God. and more mental yeah as the movie goes on and i'm just like dude half your body's dead like why isn't anyone <laughs> saying something yeah like, like if a bee sting gets to the point that it's causing you problems in your shoulder like you really you really should go to like a gp or something yeah like um <clears throat> especially when you're an artist like i think you're gonna need that right arm at some point yeah (laughs) um but i think as well like i think the use of art in this movie was Mm. was really interesting the fact that kind of um they use it uh, as a way to kind of bring Candyman back and kind of you know get him back into the zeitgeist and i kind of i thought that was really fun and a fresh take and kind of I enjoyed like all of his imagery and kind of his drawings and like when he was like gun mental at a canvas, I was, I found myself kind of, you know, intrigued and really wanting to see what he's done. Um, and, and when we get into kind of the, the, the violence and kind of the Candyman side of things, like, I think that's all pretty good. Like, I think the bathroom scene was quite disappointing. Yeah, um, definitely. Because, I, that felt very edited to me mm, of like, yeah, I felt like we saw every more other... in the trailer. Yeah, every other scene, like obviously the the mirror and reflection stuff means that a lot of the times you don't see stuff up close. But mm. I think for the rest of the the stuff, as I mentioned, like the art gallery scene in particular, it added to it for me. It didn't mm. take away, but the bathroom scene and their insistence on only showing things in reflections definitely took away from it. Because yeah, you never had that yeah. moment of 
and here's the boom, there's the climax. Well, the you problem know? is you've got someone in a closed cubicle, so yeah. there's no mirrors for them to look at, really, mm. and so you just miss a lot of the action. And I think kind of, whereas, whereas yeah, the art gallery scene worked flawlessly and was yeah. really kind of still felt brutal, and obviously we got that revisiting afterwards, of the, the which I always like to sign, mm. kind of see this crazy aftermath afterwards. Um, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the kind of apartment scene when the camera kind of pops out and then you can see all, uh, I really loved that when you could see all the other um, uh, apartments around it having normal mm. lives and then you just transfix on this carnage that's going on. Like that was a beautiful image, like it, like horrific, but beautiful. The build up um, to that scene as well was one of my favorite. Like, like you say, yeah. there's so many amazing uses of mirrors, but this one in particular was mm. just because it had like it was like basically two mirrors wasn't it it was like mm. a mirror of a mirror and, yeah. and i was like oh they are really nailing this because i always love that in horror movies the idea that there's this other world that's kind of like behind you at all times and you yeah. get that sense of the mirrors of like oh yeah these candy man the candy man is always there to well, come is, after you you know there's these two terrifying things that you have that you see every day and you don't really think about it, like shadows and reflections. Yeah. And like when a horror movie can make you scared of one of the other <laughs> of those two, then you're fucked. Mm. <laughs> and, and so, so yeah, I really, I really kind of like that. And I think, um, like I said, then kind of coming out of this movie, I was just like, man, that was one hell of a sequel to Candyman. And and again, we've spoken about this a lot recently. That, that a, a great sequel elevates the first movie. Mm. And I already love the first movie. I've been watching it for you know thirty years almost. And and um, you know this this kind of um, you know this out of the blue kind of sequel because it was out of the blue for me um, has elevated that movie now. Like I will enjoy seeing Helen's story. Mm. knowing the greater mythology of Candyman that I seen that I know now. Um and so yeah, it, it just did a fantastic job of that. I think um What without going into spoilers, what did you make of the ending? So I really I really liked the ending. I think um I was I was a bit confused by how um led Anthony's character was in the final acts. Like it felt mm. like he was almost drugged and trance like, but but once he kind of got out of that and got we got back into the moment and and um then then i then i i did like it i think like the police stuff that you spoke about i i think worked it, it worked for me it, it I, I i was kind of um it was one of those things when the movie kind of um you know it, it is being on the nose with the race stuff obviously the the character you spoke about the, the troy character i'll get to but but a lot of this movie is on the nose with it but I, I kind of feel like that's right for Candyman. Yeah, I feel definitely. like I feel like the original was on the nose back with what was going on then, and shit still ain't better now. And like I think it's I think it's kind of right that that it's kind of hits it like that, and and it kind of it kind of hits you in the face saying, yeah, nothing's changed. Like everything kind of still sucks. And then with the finale with the police, I kind of still had hope. And then. And then when I was like, oh, no, nothing's changed. Like, shit still sucks. I was like, oh, damn. Like, and and so it kind of worked for me. And I, and I did like it. Um, l like you said, I think I think the only real criticism I have, I don't really have too much of a criticism with the runtime because I think I, I liked how 
Anthony's journey kind of was slow and then sped up at the end. I, I think that kind of, I feel that wor- worked quite well. And the whole movie, like I said, after the first 10 minutes or so, as soon as we get to him kind of discovering the Candyman mythology, the movie picks up and then it never gets boring. Um, leading up to that in the opening moments, like I said, the opening scene didn't work for me. And then it kind of takes a few minutes until he gets the Candyman mythology. But as soon as he does and he runs with it, obviously he just, he just carries the whole movie from, from thereafter. Um, I think kind of his, his girlfriend kind of Brianna does a fantastic job as well because she's shoved with Troy for a chunk of this movie and mm. she's still great. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, which is a massive kind of hats off. Um, and yeah, the other Troy character, like it just, I feel like a lot of people are going to get annoyed with the, the messaging in this movie and how on the nose it was. And I think if you take Troy out of it, it's still incredibly on the nose, but you can't really disagree with a lot of it, but it's kind of like, I don't, I don't want to speak out of place, but it, it's almost kind of like the thing that frustrates me when you have this character that's just, just kind of like, you know, he's in this interracial relationship, but he's just constantly being, like you say, to the point that he's almost being racist with it. Mm. And I just kind of feel like that is counterproductive to the message. And especially like in this movie that I think kind of is incredibly on the nose already. I think this this character can push a lot of people the other way where they get a bit frustrated by it. And I think that's a shame. Um, but uh, like I said, I think everyone else I, I really enjoyed. And, and um, ultimately when it, when kind of Brianna kind of takes more, more of a stance because I felt like she was going to disappear from the movie. And when she comes back into it, I was initially like, Oh no, I, I like Anthony. Like he's, he's carrying this for me, but she really does take it on her shoulders and, mm. and, and, and really does kind of bring home the finale um, and, and give it weight and meaning. Um, you know, when, when she kind of uh, not, not to go into it too much, but when she kind of locks eyes with herself in the mirror, uh, kind of like right at the finale, I was like, Oh damn. Like, and, and it, it really was powerful and it was her performance that carried me through that. Um, so I really do think she was good as well. And so, yeah, for me, you know, I started off a bit negative, but but really coming out of it, and when I, once I kind of digested it, nothing but positivity. If if you're a fan of the Candyman original, like I can't see how you won't really enjoy this as well. Hmm. Um, the the Anthony character for me is really interesting because um, I did really like it, and I really liked Yaya as the lead. Mm. But I, I did want to mention it because I know I have been critical of this in the past, and I wanted to call this out as to why I think this is different is normally i don't like when a lead character is kind of this vacant i guess and this Mm. it's like the things are happening around them and they're not the ones driving through the story and i wanted to bring that up because for me this works because of the context of what's happening in this movie not to get too much into the actual plot but it actually makes perfect sense why the Anthony character is being led through this world and he's not actually really making any meaningful choices along the way. This is, it does feel more like a predetermined path. And normally in like you say, 99 cases, if that, if your lead character feels that way, I get really turned off by it and don't like that as a lead performance, but here it totally worked. And I'm not just giving it a pass because I like this movie. I think if you've seen the movie again, we can maybe get into it we'll, if, we'll, if we go yeah, spoilers we can, we can see why anthony's character is you know um is kind of pedestrian in this movie mm. and kind of 
being led by others yeah and and it's because of the way he was raised and everything else and like we get into that and so i think it does make sense it's when you know it's when these characters just are, are that for no reason i think i think as well like um you know, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but we're skirted around kind of the sequelization a little bit. And I think mm. kind of this movie clearly exists after the events of the first Candyman movie. And you get that very early on. You you know that, the, you know, the, the first Candyman movie exists in this world and we're now beyond that. But then actually when we get into the sequel and how this is a continuation of that story in, in many different ways. And when we get into the final acts and, and how this is. A continuation of that story i i i absolutely love that and i think kind of um it, it just felt right for this story and it felt it, it felt like the the real kind of tragic conclusion that that, that candy man ultimately is like like candy man is, is kind of like the original movie is just just nothing but but kind of dread really and, mm. and 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 terror because you've just got this kind of black community that, that just can't get out of the, the the rut they're in you get helen's character that kind of you know it, she's not sympathetic with them she, she's trying to she's trying to further her own career because of it but she does become sympathetic to them and then obviously she becomes the tragedy and then it's kind of um you know they allude to it in this that kind of you know one white woman gets attacked there and the whole place goes into lockdown and kind of you know, stuff happens and it's kind of like, you know, that message in itself as well. And I think kind of this movie continues that thread and continues that story and in a really good, clever way as well. For sure. Like, I think that's another thing about this movie is that this is a really kind of hopeless movie. Like Mm. there, there isn't a silver lining that there isn't kind of like a way out. I think this is a very, this is a very sad movie, much like last week's movie, in fact. And, I think we've covered quite a few of these where they can go either way sometimes. Um, you know, movies like Devil All the Time, I think, are also very just like, yep, the world kind of sucks for these people. Um, and that's what the movie's about. And I do think that's an acquired taste because this isn't your traditional um, cinema horror. Um, you know get your jump scares thrill the audience and move on this is trying to tell a story um, a very sad story in fact and it's not going to get any better and so yeah that was one of the things I really loved about it as well and you mentioned it again and I think that's kind of where I started and I just want to end with it as well or at least come back to it now is like the mythology of Candyman is so awesome and it's really what I think kind of puts him up there as like like one of the best for me characters in all of horror films because i think he is such a interesting idea of a character that you know the fact that it wasn't i mean it's interesting i've always thought this anyway and i and i wonder where this kind of comes from i'm sure it is a little bit in the original movie but i always kind of thought that Candyman was more than just tony todd's character um you know the and i guess it's because the idea of a Candyman, you know spawned way before the 1992 movie mm. um and that was just their version of Candyman was uh you know his character daniel um and cabini cabrini green and all that stuff and so i've always loved that that he Candyman is an idea he's a concept he's a construct to keep people in a certain place and a certain uh, mindset and i just love that this movie kind of it starts with that 
and it's and it immediately tells you like yeah Candyman is not just this one person um he does exist in this world and he played a role and like you say his role you know we saw that version of Candyman and his story with Helen Lyle mm -hmm. but that's not the only Candyman and I'm sure there are other Candymen in different areas that aren't just Cabrini Green and yeah what, what I that's really what I loved. as well is that that Candyman it is an idea, but it's also a reaction and a response to the to the world that we're mm. in and kind of the real life world that we're in. And like, I think this movie kind of so many years beyond. And, and I think the message that really stuck to me was like when it happened back then, when the first because they, they referenced the first movie and they, they the character kind of says, you know, it happened back then and nothing has changed since then. And it's like, so guess what? Candyman's still there and Candyman's still doing his shit because the world mm -hmm. hasn't changed. And it's almost like, yeah, if, if the world had got better and Cabrini Green wasn't still this this place of, you know, kind of, you know, despair and, and nothing positive, then then Candyman wouldn't be there anymore. You know, he, he is kind of this necessary evil that's there as a response to the hate that's going on. And I think kind of... I think that's why he's such an interesting character. I think kind of the, 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 the Daniel kind of Tony Todd character is this kind of epitome of that and kind of, um, you know, his, his story, you know, being an artist and just kind of, you know, murdered for falling in love with, with not even with the wrong person, with with someone that every else everyone else perceived that he shouldn't be. Like, I think it was a really strong message. And I think it was... I think like the original Candyman movie was one of the first times like as as a kind of you know as a white dude kind of taking a step back and actually appreciating that and being like shit man like they just killed him for no reason like and and kind of that being portrayed on a, on a screen like that like I can't think of a movie that I would have seen before that that, that message got through to me with mm. um before Candyman and and yeah and I think kind of this movie again got that message through to me I think that's why, like you say, he's such an awesome horror character, because I think you just nailed it where he only exists in a shit world. Mm. Um, you know, Candyman's power uh, uh, doesn't, as a villain, I guess, as a horror movie villain, doesn't work in an ideal world. And so I think that's why it was great in 1992. And I think it's great now this year because it just shows you that, yeah, like he he could easily not exist and i do think they they nail that juxtaposition of like mm -hmm. this is like quite fantastical the idea of Candyman, you know like mm. the idea of just saying a word five times and he'll jump out of your a mirror and kill you like in terms of all of the i guess bringing it back to the horror villains he has one of the most kind of ludicrous setups um <laughs> yet they tie that and juxtaposition with that which was was with something that is so real and pertinent mm. today and so yeah I think that's why this character, like, I just love this character so much, and I'm really glad that they they did it justice here in this movie, but then they've kind of, like you say, extrapolated it in such a way that, like, I do think this does make the original better. Um, mm. And as we keep saying time and time again, that's the perfect sequel is a sequel that makes the original better. And as someone who is particularly being harsh on sequels this year as i keep mentioning this is the opposite like i'm being harsh on it because it's a sequel and the main reason why i love it is because it's a sequel um, well i think the thing is you can say you're being harsh on sequels but when we get to year end there there will be two sequels that will be prominent on that list hmm. like you know so we're being harsh on them but when great ones come out it's not you know 
they they will continue to rise above if they do what they need to do and this movie does what it needs to do as a sequel yeah for sure um the the only other final random thing i wanted to bring up as well was the the score and soundtrack in this movie as well was just exceptional and it kind of it was again what you'd want them to do and i know it's it's easy to kind of when you've seen it done right be like yeah that's what you do but we see it get done wrong all of the time. And I think what I... they did right was just take the original score, which you love from the original Candyman. And don't get me wrong, the score of this movie is not as good as the original. The original is like one of my favorite horror scores ever. But the way yeah. they took that, they modernized it. And then they also gave you little hints of the original throughout the whole movie. Just I loved the score of this movie. I think that's the thing is that I don't think it is an easy job to do what they did with this score. Mm. because i do on on paper it's easy yeah i guess yeah but it's just that you know the original Candyman was such a unique incredible score you hear that little piano tune and you instantly recognize it you know it's obviously you know we're huge fans of Candyman, and i realize as a franchise it's not as huge as what our love for it is Mm. but i could hear that and and you know it's it, it, it's the same as as a Halloween or that sort of thing, you know, where you hear that Halloween beat and you know what movie it is. It's the same with Candyman. It's the same with Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, you get those beats and musical cues, you know what it is. And I think Candyman has that. Um, but the opposite to, to Halloween, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but the Halloween franchise, you get that music constantly over and over again throughout the franchise. And you get you get iterations of it and you do get clever parts with it, but it is predominantly the same beat throughout. Whereas this is a very much an evolution of that soundtrack. You know, the, the, if the original soundtrack was very piano based and very kind of, you know, operatic and everything else. Whereas this one is, is, is very different, but, but still feels very traditional to Candyman and kind of that theme. And, and I think that's why it, it works and it kind of, you know, it teases the theme and it kind of it, it understands the importance of the score of the first movie, I think, is where how they succeeded is that they mm. kind of whoever sat down to do this score understood the first movie and got the first movie. Yeah, for sure. Um, but so, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, let's go into recommendations. Um yeah, I, I highly recommend this movie. Um, I, I've already seen it twice at the cinema. I'd happily see it again. Um, I can't wait for the Blu-ray to come out so I can watch it. Um, I think if you've not seen the original Candyman, there has never been a better time <laughs> to watch it other than when it came out originally. Like, it's available. You can watch the Arrow Blu-ray is, is by far the best way to watch it. Or you can you know, obviously just... Is it on Netflix? On UK Netflix, yeah. That's crazy. So yeah, like it's on there. Watch it. And if you enjoy it, then you have to see the sequel. I think if you, for some unknown reason, hated the original, you, this movie's probably not for you. Um, yeah. Though I'd love to know how you could possibly hate that movie. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah, as a standalone movie, it still works well because they tell you the main beats to understand yeah. who Candyman is, why it's important to Cabrini Green, who Helen Lyle is. But yeah, this is a movie I think made for fans of the original like ourselves. And I think that's why I love it so much. Yeah, I completely agree that that um this is definitely a movie made for its fans. And if yeah, if you're a fan of the original, then absolute no brainer, go watch this. And and yeah, if you are listening to the podcast and you've not seen the original, then definitely double bill it. But 
I, I again with you, like I, I would recommend it, even if you're going to go into this just cold, not seeing Candyman. I really do think you can enjoy this movie. I think it does an incredible job of just explaining the Candyman lore and mythology and, and the Helen story is chucked in there. And if you don't really know who she is, that that's fine. Like, I mean, it, it, it doesn't feel right saying that because mm. to me it's not fine, but it, but it is like, you could still enjoy this movie. And so I think like it's, it's an all round recommendation, but the ultimate package is to do the Candyman double bill. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I'm so glad I did as well. Like, yeah. cause yeah, I'm glad I you did as well. I was torn on kind of because you know I know the original so well and everything else and I, and not thinking that this was a sequel, um, but I, I, I was like, why would I not watch Candyman because I love it? So I stuck it on and, and I'm really glad I did because I, I got a lot more from this experience, experience having Candyman fresh in my mind. It is so weird this whole just as we end the discussion, like like say I got the impression that they were afraid to just straight up say yeah. we're making 100%. a sequel, 100%. and it is weird that like you get different avenues because obviously one of the biggest strengths of Halloween twenty eighteen from its initial inception was, and again well, I know we've talked to it to death and we don't need to go into it about what our thoughts are on it, but they straight up said yeah the original matters and nothing else matters like everyone like if you didn't know that you just weren't paying attention like if you were remote following halloween if you'd seen the trailer or anything you knew right original movie this movie go and yeah, they were very clear with that i think it's the exact argument that we had earlier with this texas chainsaw massacre mm-hmm. that you shove a texas chainsaw massacre on netflix and normal people know what texas chainsaw massacre is so they'll watch a crappy movie if it's called texas chainsaw massacre Candyman doesn't have that weight you know you're talking halloween there you mm. know uh every non-horror fan knows what halloween and michael myers freddy krueger you know they they don't i know i know Candyman has been kind of put as a horror icon but he's he's certainly not in that tier nowhere near oh, yeah, and, i agree especially with the 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 outside of the horror community world like he is very unknown so i think i, think I agree with that but then what is what is what is the angle then like because for, the angle for... is to, to make a baller trailer which they did to get people just be like oh Candyman, that looks cool that's a new idea just like you know whatever it is and you know whatever kind of standalone movie is that comes out you know mm. and it's just kind of like that's what they want they want the cinema going i think they're just going to see a, a movie that's not tied to anything else because they want to get people in the cinema to give them money and they don't want to say yeah, you should really watch this movie from the early 90s before you come see our sequel. Like, they don't want to say that. They're like, oh, Candyman, it's a new thing. It's a sequel. <laughs> and, and, and you know, that's what they did in the end. I think you're right, because um, it's doing well. It was the number one movie in America last week. So, like you say, it's clearly worked. I, I do wonder as well, I, like... Do, do, you probably don't remember either but like when blade runner 2049 came out do you know how they positioned that like w- was that positioned as a sequel i don't know I, I i think it was in terms of um like i said i didn't really know that this was a sequel Candyman, mm. and yet we were in it you know whereas blade runner i was aware it was a sequel but I don't know whether like the general marketing and that sort of stuff was, but that's, I think that's where they kind of probably overstepped the line with Candyman, where they could have been a little bit more like, it's not just a spiritual successor, you know, and, and they really only pulled that trigger after the opening weekend. 
Yeah, it seemed like, because I think that the Helen Lyle stuff, which is early on in this movie, I think that was in the last trailer for Candyman, which, was you know, it? I obviously wasn't watching at that point because I never watched the final trailers. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you're right that, that they kind what? of, yeah, the last minute they probably tried to get that, that audience in there. But, yeah, it's it's interesting, a movie like this when it comes out. Um, mm. But, yeah, that was our discussion on Candyman. Uh, we will take a short break and we will be right back. So yeah, that is pretty much it for this week. Um, a nice extended discussion on this week's movie because it's always mm-hmm. nice when it's an absolute banger. Um, and yeah, we're so we're not in the cinema next week by the looks of it. Um, Damn, things could change um, because it's been very busy. Um, but it seems like we've got a free quote-unquote week, um, which means we can finally start looking at some of the stuff we have available on demand. Um, most notably, it'll either be Censor, uh, the new British horror movie, or Profile, um, which was that kind of like screen-life thriller-looking movie. Um, very interested in both of them. Um, yeah, they both sound really good. Yeah, so cool. So I'm very excited to check them out, both out. But the week after, which, again, unless we get shafted with release dates, because it always can happen, but it's been pretty good this year, let's be honest, mm-hmm. um, is a little movie, which I think has been really going under the radar, um, is a movie called Malignant, um, um, which is, yeah, not only, it's just, you know, James Wan's first horror movie in five years. I mean, what, it's his first original horror movie, and God, I don't even know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this is like, i like am i wrong i think this is massively flying under the radar like crazy under the radar um you know we've we've been kind of talking about it but even even for us like the trailer doesn't seem to be everywhere and kind of yeah we've never had it at the cinema i've only seen it once on youtube yeah you know it's it's crazy that it's coming out yeah so so it's great place to be because i think it's similar not similar really because old had a bad trailer but kind of like it's nice that you see a movie from a director that you love genuinely love um like we do both m night and james one and you don't really have these huge expectations like i say a movie this week like Candyman, we did have expectations for Mm. and we could have easily been let down and luckily we weren't and so yeah it's kind of great that we don't have this huge expectation like well of course malignant's going to be movie of the year you know like we don't have any expectations Mm. for it which i think is great i can't wait i can barely remember the trailer at all um because like you say like yeah, our, our our cinema has just continually shown like the same four trailers, <laughs> where it's like Halloween every single time, no question about it. Um, we were getting a Candyman consistently, which we I obviously genuinely won't know. thought we were going to get Candyman in front of Candyman. Yeah, just I always think I've that. Seen yeah, it so many times, like I was like, they're just going to shove it on. But I've even seen like the Antlers trailer two or three times, yeah. um, which is you know a very random one, and obviously like ghostbusters like dune every single time james bond whereas like yeah we still haven't seen the last night in soho trailer in the cinema Mm. which 
blows my mind considering how big of a name Edgar Wright is in, in this country. And like the second that movie got announced with a release date, it was on the Odeon app ready to book mm. tickets. So it's yeah, like no. clearly clearly they're invested in like Halloween Kills has not been on the app once and they've shown the trailer every single week. So it's a weird one. But like I say, it's a good problem because we're not sick of the movies. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, keep showing me Bond and Halloween because I I don't <laughs> want to keep seeing these trailers, especially when we get to like the second cuts of trailers. Yeah, like, we we both yeah. said like my my favorite trailer this year is Venom because yeah. I don't give a shit about that movie in the slightest, and I've seen that trailer now about fifty yeah, times. Venom's great because we're we're getting to like trailer two and three, and I'm like, it's fine, <laughs> you can show me a good fifteen twenty minutes of this movie. I really don't have a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, please don't spoil like because like. But like as a very small tangent, obviously the Spider-Man trailer came out. I don't know if you've seen Damn. it or not. Yeah. Um, I've not seen it. Um, because I'm very frustrated, as I've discussed, I think before. Like this just seems to be the one MCU movie that they're conditioned to spoil everything. Um, yeah. I, I, mean, I know they're not spoiling everything because I'm sure the movie's going to be ten hours it's and going to have plenty it's the of surprises. Game of Thrones of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like or the MCU. You know, I, I'm. This is a very, I guess, mild spoiler if you don't know anything, and I'm assuming it's in the trailer, which I have not seen. But they were mentioning return characters in this movie from like over two years ago where they were saying like oh alfred merlina's in talks to play doc ock so like i already know a little bit about this movie that really pisses me off because mm. like i would have man if i would have been in the cinema and i don't even i actually don't know if that's true or not at this point which is cool but like mm. if that is true and i was in the cinema and saw it and it was completely out of nowhere i would lose my mind as someone yeah. who loves mcu spider-man who grew up on those sam raimi well, movies and i adore them I know we're going off on a little bit of a tangent here, mm. but that's exactly what they've done with Spider-Man in general. Like the Civil yeah. War pop would have yeah, been yeah, in the trailer, mental. <laughs> yeah, and like but, but I it all about happened that. in the trailer. Like, yeah, you know, and and yeah, having watched this trailer, like they spoil things that would be a crazy pop, and it, <laughs> and it is a shame. Like obviously we know what's going on with it, and like you know the Doctor Strange stuff, and I think they could have just shown that and like teased mm. that like this opens shit up, but then like. It's just a case of now, like, okay, how much crazy shit are we going to have in it from old stuff? Like, yeah. and, and how much is not going to get spoiled before I go in? Like, yeah, it's going to be a big question. That's, that's <laughs> the only two questions I have. Like, we clearly know that there's stuff in it. And I just feel like, yeah, would it be great just to know nothing? Like, the second, like, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, Toby Maguire just strolls up, I'm like, mm. oh, that's not excited anymore yeah like, i'm expecting everything like it, yeah. like you say like doc ock goblin like any mm. anyone you know franco pops up like yeah nothing's off the table one of these, like i'm really wouldn't be surprised but like if they'd have who's kept the woman more... who played original mj oh oh christ um can't remember her name oh kirsten dunce kirsten dunce yeah, yeah. that'd be yeah. mental if she's in the movie like it'd, it'd be so brilliant but like i say it's I just want to yeah, see this movie. Every single one of them now. Like, yeah, uh, all I the guess. ones from the Garfield movie. Like, I expect all of those. <laughs> like, I expect every character now. <laughs> it's just like, that's, yeah. that's the problem. It is a shame because this is like, on paper, this is like one of my most anticipated movies of mm. all time. And it's like, I'm trying my best for this not to be ruined because like i say headlines of like people mm. being cast that's already one step but when marvel studios themselves are putting what i consider spoilers in the trailer that just 
fucks me off on a whole mm. other level so i've got i'm assuming this trailer is about seven minutes long um i'm probably gonna see it for the next what is there three marvel movies in the cinemas before this one um so i'm gonna be yeah it's gonna be painful for me i'm gonna be within proxy of this trailer at some point i just don't want it to be spoiled for me um like i'm not gonna actively sit down and watch it i'm sure i'll hear stuff i'm sure i'll see a tweet or a headline or a screenshot that's fine but i'm not gonna sit down and watch the trailer like I cannot wait for this movie. But yeah, nice little tangent to end us there with a little Marvel mm. chat. Um, maybe we'll talk about what if at some point because that's still going on. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a thing. It's fine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, more more movies to talk about. Like I say, Malignant in a couple of weeks. Very exciting indeed. And yeah, it's not slowing down. Like we're in September as of as a post in the show, and it's like what is it creep shows just around the corner oh, american horror stories already story, started yeah. um i'm gonna be watching uh what we do in the shadows season three like there's this a uh, chucky is coming soon yeah. you're watching walking dead i presume I um yeah i think i think i fell asleep like twice in the first episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that checks out so yeah that's just tv let alone all of the crazy movies vhs on shudder like there's yeah so much stuff cannot wait looking forward to it um but yeah that was episode number 263 uh thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone and through my veins and travels to my head they said you'll die soon enough anyway shut up i can't mainly because i never could how could i start that